Welcome to the People Data for Good podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, welcome back. I am very excited to have Priscilla Varnoy of Be Innovative here with me today. Priscilla, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Al. I'm also so excited to be here today. Well, if you would introduce yourself, because I love the way you show up. I love what you're trying to pursue with Be Innovative. So share a little bit about who you are and what you're up to. Sure. Uh, so I'm the founder and CEO of Beinnovative, which is a design thinking process management platform. And we are also a Singularity University Labs company because I won the global impact competition of uh, Singularity University in 2012. And since then, I'm contributing to uh, clients reaching their goals on any field from product development to process or organizational development. And with my background in organizational psychology, I'm also prioritizing product features in Innovative to make sure that we provide a unique way of uh, how to facilitate workshops in a virtual world that engages everyone in the same way and uh, make sure that we have an efficient way of showing the outcomes. Well, the reason I'm so excited is this notion of design thinking is it's out there and, but it's a bit esoteric. It's almost a, a buzzword as opposed to something that is applied in a disciplined fundamental way, particularly around employee experience and HR in general. So you're actually bringing some discipline and rigor to this in HR specifically. So can you speak to that and how it is going to affect how workers experience their work life day to day? Yes, so when we think about design thinking, many times we only think about um, just a UX um, process that helps processing better products at the end of the day. But it's more like a cultural and mindset um, with a set of tools that allow us to think in terms of uh, different perspectives, identify the right problem to solve, be able to involve many people who can contribute to actually solving or identifying that right problem and empowering them to coming up with solutions and also validating them so that we become sure of how to move forward, what makes sense in that specific context. And when we talk about this, you can also see that uh, this applies not only for dealing with customers, not only for developing products, but also for any kind of processes or thinking about people experience specifically. Because um, many times design thinking is referenced as the ideation process, but in reality, it's not. And specifically, the very first phase is about building empathy. Mm. And whereas we should use empathy the most, if not with people, defining how our people experience strategy will look like in the company, just like as for our customers, similarly to our employees and our colleagues we work with. You know, in um, a minute, I want to ask you, you know, why you do what you do and how you got to this point, because what you're describing is difficult. It's not easy. And particularly given the pandemic and remote work, yeah, what does design thinking look like, you know, over the last 12, 14, you know, plus months where you're trying to facilitate uh, remotely? Some comments on that? Um, there are many aspects uh, because of which I am truly convinced that the future may be remote, but it's also more creative. Mm. And um, it doesn't mean uh, if we are limited to a virtual world that we cannot collaborate in a creative way. We just need to design the right path and the journey for people to be able to build on everyone's diverse viewpoints um, and to come up with a conclusion that everyone is happy with. And this um, cannot, 
also happen in the process that um, we identify how to involve people, break them down into maybe breakout rooms to be able to discuss with each other more intimately in a safe space, um, any kind of out of the box or seemingly random problems or ideas that uh, they want to solve and uh, be able to anonymously um, vote on which one should be the best solution that reflects best to the problem. And why I mentioned anonymously is because I think one of the biggest bottlenecks that makes um, the process hard, as you said it, is um, being, being biased by the source of the idea of the solution or the problem itself. And we have um, uh, two tendencies that uh, we need to solve for when we are applying design thinking processes. The first one is that um, if a leader or a manager is involved in a process, uh, first we can be happy because it means that uh, it's taken uh, seriously enough. But it also means that uh, if they speak up, people will naturally have this tendency of supporting whatever they have to say because um, it is acting nice to, to support what our manager says. Um, but the second thing is um, also our personal traits will kick in how um, extrovert or introvert mm -hmm. we may be. And um, <clears throat> people who are extrovert, they feel often confident enough to talk about their own ideas and their solutions, maybe for quite long enough, but who are introverts, maybe um, they will not feel that confident to speak up if they have a very out of the box ideas. So sometimes the solution will reflect how introvert or extrovert you are or how many friends you have in the company. And that's why it's really important to design this safe space and an efficient process, which we can do similarly as a facilitator in an in-person workshop, but also as a facilitator in a virtual workshop. Hey, Priscilla, as you're talking, it's dawning on me that you have an uncommon eloquence and an uncommon clarity in describing you know, what design thinking is, uh, particularly around creating an employee or, or worker experience that has uh, virtue and, and uh, humanity behind it. And I know in, in talking with you that it's really important that people find meaning in their work. So can you share your thinking around that and your commitment to purpose and ensuring that people are seen and heard and empowered in organizations? Yes, thanks for the question. It's uh, basically our biggest motivation and mission in the company and my personal mission to empower people to be able to contribute to solving problems that matter that matter to them personally and that matters to the organization or the company themselves and i think um, it reflects back to not just design thinking but um, thinking about learning in a new way and my favorite expression is challenge-based learning because it means that um, we will become better and develop our skills better if um, we can experiment with identifying good questions, like good opportunities or problems to solve, and then involving enough people uh, to, to invite them to this space, thinking together with us, coming up with the right solution for this problem that matters. And once somebody feels that, yes, now I'm in a process, I'm part of a community or I have connections with whom together we can come up with something that is useful and impactful and something that will get implemented at the end. This is how they feel they create impact in the company. And um, in that case, um, they will constantly feel like, okay, I'm not just creating impact and contributing to something that matters, but uh, I can practice new type of skills, skills that we can say will be the skills of the future, like um, convergent and divergent thinking, creative or complex problem solving, inclusive leadership, 
and a couple other ones. Um, and practicing these, uh, people will feel like um, they know how to strengthen this muscle of making work more meaningful for them. They will know how to replicate this process, how to identify new and new opportunities to grow and help other people around them to grow together. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And yeah, there is a, a book behind me by Jeffrey Pfeffer called The Knowing Doing Gap. So if I'm a listener, if I'm the head of talent or CHRO of people analytics, talent strategy, whatever it is, I'm thinking, yes, everything that you're saying, I'm nodding my head going, yes. At the same time, the ability to do it on an ongoing basis is a significant challenge that I would say most organizations have not figured out. And what you have said uh, on a couple, maybe a few occasions now, is that we create the space. And so I often have said, number one, you have to create the space, get the right people in the room and have a understanding of where you want to go, what change you want to shift, which requires a real understanding and appreciation of the current state, you know, whether it be not good or, or, or good and obvious clarity on where you would like to go, at least in principle around meaning and, and, and purpose and making sure that collaboration and creativity take place. So that is a staging. I might be sitting there going, well, we, we do that anyway, or we do it internally with somebody who is an employee. What is your contention or ideas around the value of an external uh, individual or entity coming in and facilitating that process ongoing? So the question is, what is the value of uh, somebody coming in from externally? Yes. In that case, um, everyone who we bring in externally will contribute with a different mindset, with different experiences, different context. And when we talk about building creative muscles or uh, the skills for creativity, it's obviously uh, one of the most important things, how to incorporate much more diverse viewpoints into mm -hmm. a solution. Mm -hmm. So I think what somebody can contribute with is how to identify maybe the frames of the box that we are thinking in terms of that we might not see because everyone thinks from a fairly similar point of view. Mm -hmm. And the other one, we could say maybe not even just the facilitator comes from the outside, but what if we co-create, let's say, with our clients or our partners, they also have a pretty interesting point of view that um, would worth it to get to know much more. Got it. And I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, I've seen uh, you know, as noble and well-intentioned as the initiative might be, employees often have a stake in the outcome. There's biases that are, are built in. So the value of an external, particularly someone with your background, which I want to ask you in a second, uh, provides this very uh, safe place that people can open up and explore and, and uh, hear one another. So with that, um, and we're going to talk about the future of skills and and some other things in a minute but for now i want to step back to to step forward and can you share a bit about your personal journey i mean how did you get here and your background in psychology and you have chosen to you know go after this very complex problem I mean, what's your inspiration how, how did you get to where you are now well i have um uh, although I might be young, but um, I, I have quite some milestones in my life. And um, you might be laughing, but one of them is when I was just 15 years old and sitting in a spa with one of my best friends at the time. And I asked him an important question that, um, that was important for me uh, because I didn't know the answer for and it was like if you imagine yourself as um, as a grandparent and you imagine that um, your grandchild sits into your lap and asks you hey grandma grandpa uh, what did you do in your life how did you contribute to the world what would you be really happy for if you couldn't right now choose anything so right now you can craft any of your answers 
what would you be most happy to to answer mm. and um it's it was important for me because um obviously we were uh before choosing career before choosing university where to move forward and it took me like um a couple weeks to to craft my answer and that was if i could contribute to more opportunities for people for maybe even youth to discover what are they really passionate about to pursue in life and be able to develop those skills connections and resources to make that happen in life then i would be super happy with my answer so it um didn't give me right away the um the method so like i need to apply for economics or psychology or there as but i figured that um i'm most interested in the aspect of psychology of um, developing skills not just for individuals but what happens when it comes to groups mm-hmm. so i applied for psychology and um from the first year of university i chose um a pretty not often research topic at the time what is the connection of um, creative self confidence and developing um creativity in groups and mm. how does it contribute to human well-being mm. and um and um many of our um professors were um it was a dividing topic some of them said that um it's like too brave to to try to solve this question in my first and second year but some of them were very encouraging and they said you know what this is one of the most up to date and uh, professional pieces that i have seen in the past 5 um, or 10 years so i really should encu- i really encourage you to move forward with this topic wow. and um that's it that's you, yeah you continue please i mean it's just a fantastic story and i got 18 questions coming out of it you go <laughs> Oh yeah so uh it was enough for me to uh to really fall in love with the topic and whenever we had uh, new projects coming up uh this was my favorite uh, research topic to go back to and um i loved it so much that when i started um, working it was uh, for an innovation management uh, firm um i talked about um my passion and uh, topics for the owner at the time and he said you know what if um, you are so passionate about this topic i will support that um, you take a look at the european uh, unions priorities the priorities of the commission because um, new project proposal comes out every now and then and um, if you see a priority that fits into what you are passionate about then i will support that you write your own proposal for the next two months related to this topic and that's all what you need to do in as a full time job um to be precise i was not even full time at that moment it was the last year of my university and um i said this is one of a lifetime moment so i definitely have to like work on something that um, that i figure out and um long story short um we won half a million euros from the european commission on a project proposal i wrote and um it gave me enough uh validation that this is not just a fantasy or a research topic but it has um, also um, business potential as well i also validated it with um, a couple of company companies who i thought could be future clients and um and the, the the initial answer was overly positive so at that time i had um, two choices one i move forward with the original company i was an employee for or i quit and i found my own company wow Wow. What a journey. And it's obviously ongoing. And I'm not going to ask you 18 questions now though. I ask you a couple <laughs> of you uh because you said at the outset openly that 
you're young and that's your own perception of, you know, where you are in your life. And that's wonderful. I am going to celebrate that in this way, because there's many who have been out there for a long time. who said, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it for 30 years. And they have these blinders on. And what I'm finding in younger generation is that there's a courage to create in more appropriate ways. And what I will say leading into the question, as I often say that I grew up in the suck it up generation, 53 year old <laughs> man here in 2021. And it was like, you're lucky to have a job, just do what you're told and you'll just move up. And where younger people now are saying, uh, I'm high value talent. If you don't treat me well, I'm out of here. I'm going to ask some very basic questions about my workload, my career development, my compensation, you know, how we work together respectfully. And if those aren't answered appropriately, then I have options. Again, the pandemic kind of put pause on worker empowerment because many people went into survival mode. But now as we come out of it, there is an onus on employers to create a more humanistic employee or worker experience. So I want to celebrate that and land with th this question. Um, you, uh, from an American standpoint, Californian, as I am standpoint, um, I talk English differently than you <laughs> speak English. So I'm no doubt people who are listening are wondering, where is she from originally? So I, I probably should have asked that earlier. So do you mind sharing? Because I think it really informs your worldly perspective and appreciation of diversity. Yeah, sure. I was born and raised in Hungary, in Budapest. And the first time um, I got to the Bay Area was um, exactly in uh, 2011 when after forming Be Innovative, I decided that um, the best place to learn about how these um, most used innovation methods, just like design thinking uh, was born and applied in the best way is um, the heart of Silicon Valley. So I decided to go for a three month period uh, for the first time. Got it. And you're now you're splitting time between the Bay Area and, and Budapest. Is that right? Yes, we have two offices, uh, one in the Bay Area and one in Budapest. Um, I have to say the pandemic slowed me down pretty much uh, from traveling. But uh, before I tried to balance it out between the two offices. Yeah, so I want to go back to this notion of uh, well-being, uh, because it's a popular topic within organizations, particularly given the pandemic, remote work, you know, children at home, obviously, women have been disproportionately impacted by the work at home experience. Um, for others, it's been really positive, or maybe not others, but you know, for some, it's been great. Others, it's not so great. So this notion of well-being, as it will hopefully stay a priority for organizations. Is that the reason you're brought in is to help well-being become a sustainable way of being within organizations or why are you brought in initially and who's, who's bringing you in? Um, correct me if I'm not answering um, the perspective of your question you would like to, but what um, brings a bell in my mind is that I think um, when we, think about well-being, we often not think about every aspect that causes that well-being. Mm -hmm. And my point is uh, specifically how we think about creativity, problem solving, and this way creating impact. Usually we don't reference this enough as part of our well-being. But mm -hmm. my point is if um, we have to select just... Um, two or three skills that we build in order to achieve well-being, this definitely would be my number top three, because what creativity allows us is to process feedback in a unique way, mm -hmm. which means that um, we don't just uh, take feedback for granted, but uh, we have this inner capability of processing feedback against our goals in terms of what we know about ourselves. 
So we are much stronger and um, and stable and less fragile mm-hmm. when it comes to influences from the other side from the outside so i think that is one of the most important things and the other one is something i said to have goals and to think in terms of what i would like to do next and where to go next mm-hmm. and it's so important when it comes to well-being to to develop these muscles to have a direction where to go and to be able to somehow get there Yeah, as you're talking, I hear you talking about well-being, skills, performance, engagement, <laughs> org design. Yeah, there's so many aspects, you know, skills. So you know, is part of your value in doing design thinking specifically is bringing these formerly disparate groups together to have a conversation around the true experience and the trade-offs within that experience is that something that is core to what you do yes it is absolutely um the core of what we do is how to open up this opportunity and space um specifically for being innovative in a virtual uh, but also in a hybrid in person and virtual environment for as many people as possible to be able to contribute to solving this um, most important questions and to be able to collaborate um, in a creative way um, towards creating impact in the company and towards identifying what makes sense to take into consider- consideration in terms of growing um, the company, growing departments, developing products developing processes so that we feel that um, our work and also our life is meaningful yeah and in doing your work i imagine you identify personas and some of those personas would potentially be correct me if i'm wrong uh, people of diverse backgrounds and so understanding their experience and responding appropriately so in the end there's a diversity equity and inclusion value proposition in this as well is that correct yes it's very correct um, we believe that design thinking is um, is a cultural experience and it takes um, every aspect of how the company is working so our personas come from um sea level management on how to co-create the strategy based on the insights of the right people working um at the edges or also about business development how to identify new market opportunities uh that we need to consider and how to prioritize them or obviously with uh, people managers people experience on how to develop a more engaging uh, strategy how to divide, um, design new talent programs or we also have um, people from the innovation management or innovation department product managers developing new products and services or even uh, UX people on how to develop the customer experience and even sometimes you wouldn't think but um, we work with uh, non-profit organizations and educational institutions as well on how to create an ecosystem not just inside but also outside of the company how to work together with the community sometimes even marketing managers are empowered to to create this type of ecosystem and mm. find the best voice to to engage their community yeah you know, as you're talking i imagine you know the listener going yes 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 <laughs> and <laughs> then it also is the case you know what i'm hearing is that we're applying slow thinking we're like getting space we're like really thinking deeply about certain problems and opportunities and so the question here is what does it look like day to day week to week month over month um and i imagine it 
the answer is it depends. <laughs> but is this something that is happening as a project with a start and stop over three to four weeks? Is this a an ongoing way of being that you're developing within an organization where a group is meeting once every other week or or you know, what does an actual project look like for you or engagement look like for you? Um, it depends. <laughs> I wanted to say something different. Obviously, it depends. <laughs> but um, when you asked, um, um, does it involve slow thinking? I would. I wanted to say yes. In some terms, it involves slow thinking in order to incorporate much faster thinking. Mm. And what I mean by that is um, a symbol came to my mind. I don't know if um, you have seen this GIF that uh, somebody's trying to push um, like a barrel really, really hard, but it has square wheels. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody passes by and asks him, um, why don't you just change it to the normal round wheels? And the person replies back, I don't have time for such a thing. <laughs> so um, I feel like this is what we can do with design thinking processes. Yes, maybe it takes one hour to get the group together to come to a better conclusion. But based on that one hour of getting everyone together, we will have the entire project go on much more efficiently and much faster than how we would do it without that one hour of collaboration. Or we can do um, like even a six weeks of uh, co-creating um, a new business uh, opportunity or a new product offering. But after that six weeks, we will have a validated new prototype um, in our hands that we will surely know that if we build this, this will bring in X or Y uh, specific business impact. And mm -hmm. if we don't do this six weeks, maybe we would experiment um, just with a handful of pe people two or three years. So yes, we can go without it, but um, we will reach much further if we collaborate a bit more. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, thank you for that distinction and, and um, metaphor, because I think it's spot on. And I also am wondering, as you think about the future, not only the distant future, uh, but really over the next six to 12 months, uh, it, it, I'm hearing you, I'm listening, and I'm like, well, every organization needs you. Well, you know, the people <laughs> should be crawling over themselves to just, you know, get you or someone like you in their organization to help, which then invites the question, why isn't that the case? You know, what are the barriers to doing this work? What are your thoughts there? Uh, fortunately enough, um, in terms of the platform, I'm scalable. So they can just um, sign up to be innovative and we are very happy to have me and my team as well. But um, joke aside, um, I think um, really we need to think in terms of uh, strategy, how to start design thinking processes. Yes, I agree, it's not that easy. And um, the way it's not easy is uh, because we need to synchronize the company strategy, uh, project management uh, styles, um, make sure that we have the right time and resources to move forward with the results, because if we don't do that in the beginning, it might be too late by the end um, of the workshop or the process. And, um, and it all contributes to how people will feel efficient or successful at the end and how they will be encouraged to, to do it next time. So it, it takes um, a little bit of planning in the beginning and also involvement of uh, senior management because this is how we can make sure that uh, they have a buy-in for providing the right resources and, um, and to just um, treat this initiative as something that is important for the company. Hmm. And what I'm hearing too is that 
the ideal future state is that you're creating an ongoing capability because there's always going to be shifts and changes in an organization. So this is not a project with a start and stop. Ideally, it's something that, okay, we're going to create a process by which to formulate talent strategies, by which to measure and manage these strategies over time and make sure that we have the right people in the room to ascertain what's the best way forward. Is that a correct statement that you want to build the sustainable capability? Yes, absolutely. This is very correct. And um, how we suggest to maybe start the first step is um, sometimes I say that um, starting a design thinking journey is similar to running. That mm -hmm. at the end, maybe um, you have in your head how good it would be to run a marathon, but you don't start with um, running such long distances right in the beginning. And if you just concentrate on um, the first sprint or the first two occasions going out running and experiencing the feeling then uh, building up from these sprints you will eventually get to even running the marathon mm -hmm. so when it comes to design thinking processes uh, maybe starting with uh, um, just the design sprint uh, which is like um, five consecutive steps of identifying the problem, defining it better with empathy, uh, relying on more insights and um, involving more people to ideate than you would uh, naturally would. And um, also empower them to evaluate the solutions they come up with, then visualize somehow how this solution will look like in a real world. And um, ask for feedback from experts in the company or from mentors or even from clients. And um, by the time they get um, to the end of the process, they can identify maybe with a retrospective meeting of what went really well, uh, what they would need to continue or do differently next mm -hmm. time. And this is how if we just concentrate on one project at a time or one uh, process at a time, then um, what we experience is many people really falls in love with the process and mm -hmm. will identify that, okay, hey, I also have another problem on my end or in the field that I work. Can I also apply the same methodology to solve the problem I have? And this is how it may scale inside um, even large organizations that um, many people get encouraged after they participated in such a session to, to open up the same space for their colleagues. It sounds like an engaging, fun, worthwhile experience. And obviously I'm projecting and I'm saying that and having been in similar forums, I, I found that to be true. I just also... I'm kind of frustrated on behalf of the whole community that it hasn't become a norm uh, when we talk about employee experience design and talent strategy formulation or people strategy, whatever organization um, calls it. Uh, many of our listeners uh, are rooted in data and analytics. And as these uh, groups are formed to ideate and look at the future and ways to get there, it invites the question on what data is actually being sourced to inform their decisions and also how to make sure that they're learning whether or not certain processes and experiences are you know, delivering the desired um, experience or return. So can you speak to the data and analytics that you um, see relating to the process that you're describing? Is that like core <laughs> to what you do? It's like, hey, we have to go after this and this is it's why it's very important. core. Is it? Yeah. It's yeah. very core. Um, there are certain elements um, of uh, design thinking that relates to data. Um, in the beginning, we need to capture the right insights and analyze them about um, what are the patterns that uh, we can uh, identify, like what are the groups of insights that um, seems to be relevant for um, our target users, let them be clients or let them be employees of the company, and which ones are the most important and urgent to take care of. Mm. Um, once we can identify it, um, 
based on just feedback and rating uh, from the right client uh, clients or target users, then we can also define the problem much better than without uh, these insights. And uh, what it helps us is to make sure that um, we, we are thinking about and build for the right problem to solve. So I think it's one of the most important aspects of uh, design thinking. But the other one is um, how to identify the solution itself. So mm. it's not just about um, who talks, as I said, um, loudest enough about their solution or most in terms of time, but um, we need to give every single person the same chances mm -hmm. for getting their word across the crowd. And um, this way, if we have uh, maybe simultaneous small groups thinking together and um, everyone can write simultaneously, it means that um, everyone has the same chances of uh, getting their word across. And since the process is anonymous, at least in the innovative, um, when participants vote on the impact and feasibility matrix or any two criteria that uh, we want to get their feedback on, um, it will eliminate this bias of um, who shared the idea, how many ideas they shared, and it's purely the data of um, um, exactly the same number of people. So there is an algorithm that makes sure that every single idea is evaluated by the same number of people randomly. And this way you can trust um, the numbers much more because it's, it couldn't happen that in many other forums, you have a lot of, um, let's say, comments um, one after each other, and you ask people to vote them up and down, but this is not a statistically correct data because what happens, people just go there, they maybe randomly uh, read the top one or two or three comments, decide whether they like one of them, give them a like, and then if you are, if you have a really enthusiastic person, then maybe they scroll down and randomly uh, from the middle or the bottom, they read one or two more uh, comments. But it doesn't mean I haven't seen anyone yet who would say, oh, this comment number 67, this idea should be actually number 48. I will vote it all the way up to 48. So that's why it's so important to use the right algorithms and to get um, relevant feedback. Well, and I'll also add the right process because what you're saying with my geeky self, I'm like, that's super cool. You know, from a researcher analyst perspective, I like there's a lot of discipline and to, to the extent you can, you're removing a lot of bias for reasons that you cited. And I just want to highlight that because if you're a non-analyst, if you're a head of talent again, or somebody in um, HR or out, it's like having a disciplined, non-biased approach to generate insight is going to inform appropriate action. I, I've seen a lot of uh, non-professionals utilize you know, inexpensive survey instruments to create their own. Sometimes it works reasonably well. Other times it provides false positives and information that might not help get where they want to go. So there's a lot of risk in that. And so I want to celebrate you know, what you um, have just put forth. Yeah, we have time for- If you uh, don't- Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I just wanted to uh, say one more thing that, um, as you said, surveys, um, if um, there is an open-ended question of, is there anything else you would suggest we do something like this, mm -hmm. then uh, what you as an analyst can do is just compare the number of uh, similar suggestions. But you cannot show uh, one of the suggestions that somebody said in such an open comment to rate how important or how impactful they would see that specific thing. And just because not a lot of people thought about it, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't be important or impactful or even feasible from the company side. So this is an important feedback that, uh, that we can also add. And we're, we're obviously speaking to your unique platform, right? And I would, we're going to spend some time in a different forum, actually going through some aspects 
aspects of that platform. Because again, the more I learn about it, the more excited I get, not only for you specifically and your firm, but I believe the discipline of employee experience, HR strategy, people strategy has a long way to go to get really good at incorporating data and analytics and truly understanding the current experience, designing intentionally the future experience, and making sure that there's the measurement uh, instruments in place to making sure that it's actually delivering as promised. So with that, you know, we have time for a couple, a few more questions. And yeah, I want to go back to something that I asked um, before and just flush it out a little bit because I'm really uh, interested to understand who is the one bringing you in to do this work right now. Is it employee experience? Is it HR, and I'll reframe the question a little bit. Who do you think should be bringing you in? Because this is something that I've seen get lost, you know, in the cracks, so to speak, in between functions. And there's no clear owner of employee experience. There's no clear owner of applying design thinking to craft the worker experience or whatever the uh, challenge might be. So who would you like to see bringing you on to do this type of work? I might sound first disappointing with my answer because my answer is really anyone, but um, mm -hmm. to make uh, more to make it more precise, anyone who is ambitious enough to solve a real problem and to involve many people to contribute to finding the best solution and to work the way out, even if it's not trivial, to get that solution implemented uh, in the company. So someone who is a change maker, someone who likes collaborating and working with people, who is um, inclusive and involving in their leadership type. Usually um, they have a young inner spirit, but it doesn't always reflect on real age. Um, and uh, many times they are, I would say, mid-managers. Um, sometimes they are high, um, senior managers. And why many times they are just mid-managers is because they have the passion of changing things, but also the capabilities of going down to, to the very bottom of the organization and talking to people and, um, and empowering them and involving their feedback. And they are hands-on as well to be able to act on the results. No, that's actually a fantastic answer. And you and I have spoken before, so I was hoping you would go there because I wanted to make it clear that this isn't just an HR initiative. This is just not a center out initiative, that this could happen in small business units with teams and most anyone in the organization. So it can be commissioned by a people leader, not just uh, you know, someone from you know, HR as a, um, as a service provider internally. So a couple more questions and because I want to really understand where you hope our world is going to go because uh, you're and again you and I spoke before so you want to work with companies that want to make a change in the world that want to make a change among their uh, workers that they're going to bring more meaning and purpose and and have a truly not only say the right things uh, you know on paper and put on walls but actually deliver uh, a virtuous, empowering experience. So do you believe the world is trending that way? And you know, what type of organizations, uh, apart from what I just shared, that you want to be working with? Is there a specific industry or geography? Yeah, share more about that, please. Yes, I absolutely think that uh, we are going towards a much more creative world where we humans can drive the wheel and really plan and design the right processes, right products, and not just in terms of, um, this is my personal perspective, not just in terms of what drives only business values, but social impact, um, what drives more well-being for, for us humans, and how to work together with machines the best way in order to make them do and create this type of world that uh, 
and and future we want to be a part of because at the end of the day uh, we will be able to automate everything and we will be able to outsource to to machines to algorithms every type of um, either repetitive job or um, any analyzation thinking that um, that they are better at but um, what will stay in our hands is to envision this better future. What does it look like? What types of algorithms should it have? What types of criteria do we believe in? Mm. And I believe that many of our jobs will shift towards that direction. Even if we look at um, the World Organization forums or any of the uh, big fours analyzation of what does the future skills look like that are demanded um, from not just uh, young people applying for jobs, but uh, for any of us working at uh, companies at this right moment. We see that um, the top skills include creative problem solving, collaboration, um, convergent and divergent thinking. And um, these are the same signs that um, that our role inside the company will change and we need to be prepared for that yeah i think it's also a a good news because um as i said i'm really convinced that uh, this will create an even better environment and and a brighter future yeah i i couldn't agree more and i'm gonna ask this one question before I ask you to share how people can learn more about you and um, be innovative. And it's this, is that there is a risk to not taking this approach. Can you speak to the risk? I mean, because there's a lot of organizational leaders, people leaders who like, hey, I don't have time to create this space and take a disciplined approach. But there's inherently, again, a downside risk of not putting round wheels on the wagon. So can you just highlight a a few uh, of the risks of not taking this type of systematic approach? Um, I think um, it's, it should be obvious for uh, most of us. Um, Maybe we are sometimes involved in our own way of thinking too much not to see that um, this, the pace of acceleration is uh, so fast that um, it's very easy for small and large companies to become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And um, if we think about just the original Fortune 500, it's less than 10% uh, that is still alive today. Mm -hmm. So if we we don't design for the future right now, then um, the future will might not include us. Well, again, yeah, I'm um, excited about what you're doing. It needs to be more widespread. And so congratulations on what you have achieved and what you continue to to achieve. So um, Vornoy, how can uh, listeners uh, learn more about you and be innovative? Um, my, my favorite uh, place to, to be connected is on LinkedIn. Um, if um, anyone looks for Priscilla Varnagy on LinkedIn, I'm very happy to connect, change messages, um, have a chat about anything that um, excites you. And besides, our website is um, www.beinnovative.com. <laughs> well, Priscilla, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for being with me today hopefully we can be together here in the bay area before too long and uh you be well and all the best thank you so much uh (laughs) thank you for the great conversation hope to talk next time absolutely you be well bye-bye bye-bye thanks for joining the people data for good podcast with al adamson To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the People Data for Good movement, please visit us at pafau.net.